Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No the only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Good morning, happy Friday. This is Football Social Daily, daily Premier League news and opinion wrapped up in a 45-minute podcast from the Sports Social team as we get ready for the weekend. We're going to be talking about the men in the dugout on today's show as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer prepares for the long, lonely walk to the glue factory. What should we be making of Brendan Rodgers' press conference comments this week? Distancing himself from the job and accusing the reporter who asked him about it of being disrespectful for even asking the question. Should we be reading anything into Brendan Rodgers' comments? Plus, there are three new men in three new jobs going into the weekend. Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard and Eddie Howe are all going to be hoping for a new manager bounce in their jobs. But will any of them be getting it? We're also going to be talking transfers as contract talks between Jesse Lingard and Manchester United break down and all the signs start pointing to a January departure for the former England midfielder or current England midfielder, depending on who you ask. Plus, we're going to be delving deep into our mailbag and answering some listener questions at the end of today's podcast that have come into Sports Social Towers. None actually coming by mail, obviously, because that would just be weird. To do all that, I'm Jim Salverson. With me on the podcast... We've got the Declan Rice of Sports Social. Young, keen, surprisingly tall, Joel Tudor. How you doing, Joel? Good morning. I'm good, thanks. Great description, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marley's bracing himself for his now because Marley is clearly the Mark Noble of Sports Social. Dependable, reliable, <laughs> always there, but there's probably better options. How you doing, Marley? You okay? Oh, that stinks. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ, that's uh, that's a harsh intro. That you know, I, I knew I was in trouble when you described Joel as young, and I thought, Christ, I'm older than Joel. Um, especially as on, I think it was Wednesday in the when we were in the office, there was a joke um, that Joel made about something like 1985, and he went, "Oh, that was that was the year uh, Marley was born," and I was like, 
you. I've no, no, no. I've, I didn't I've say it was been... when you were born. I said it was when you were fifteen. Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! About even worse. <laughs> See, like I've been making that joke about my my slightly older friends for years because I'm the youngest one, and now it's gone full circle, and it's just it brought me down to earth with a crash. Like Christ, I'm the older one in this office now. But then you get Jim at like mid forties. Well, mid forties. Oh, so I've been <laughs> I've been feeling my age this week purely because I clocked that Steven Gerrard is younger than me, and he's now a football manager. And it's like when you start spotting policemen are getting a little bit younger, or like my kids' teachers are younger than me. It's that kind of feeling when the players that you grew up being the same age as take that step into management that's a real reminder of your impending death anyway let's move on we're going to start talking about (laughs) going to start talking about Stephen Gerrard and co because we're going to kick off today's podcast with a conversation about the bosses in the Premier League because there's a few stories of interest first off Brendan Rodgers he's been playing down links with a potential move to Manchester United this week in his pre-match press conference for Leicester City he was questioned by a reporter about the rumours linking him with the job at Manchester United And he was quite cutting in his reply. He said, it's disrespectful to talk about a job that currently has a manager in it. He said the normal stuff about being committed to Leicester City and wanting to stay and complete the project there. But did we expect him to say anything else, Marley? That's what happens when a manager is in a job and they haven't been given a formal offer elsewhere. They're only going to say, I'm committed. I don't want to talk about it at this stage, aren't they? Uh, Yeah, I suppose they are, yeah. Um... But I do think it's a bit disrespectful in on the same like at the same time because I don't think there's any real chance of Rogers leaving halfway through a season. I don't think like we've come out of this international break and if Solskjaer was gonna get sacked it would have happened already. Like it's it's fair play to ask him I don't it's not fair play, but it's it's more understandable to ask him if there was a job available. But it's it's double disrespectful to Leicester to link their manager with with another job and then it's even more disrespectful to Man United and, and Solskjaer to uh, to link Rodgers with a job that isn't even available um, so I can understand why he, he said he was a bit annoyed about it um, and fair play to him because I don't see like it's just a it's it's just a, a stirring question it's just trying to stir something up um, and that's what media does now you see you know when there's a press conference every week, there's thirty press com- there's thirty journalists in the in the um the room, and twenty of them are trying to trip you up and and sell papers off the back of it, and just purely because their their job is all online clickbait and and paper stuff now. So it's um it's yeah I I seen his point. I thought it was quite disrespectful. Given the departure that he had from Celtic, though, Brendan Rodgers, that is Marley. Surely he kind of. He doesn't bring it on himself, that type of questions, but it's it's very rich for him to start questioning the respect aspect of that question. Yeah, but Leicester didn't have a manager when he left Celtic. They, they'd sacked um, uh, Puel, hadn't they? And it was an obvious sort of... Uh, well, I suppose... Yeah, it was, it's an obvious step up, but maybe Man United is as well to, for him, but it's a different situation because Man United have a manager and they're, they're, they're clearly not going to sack him. So, like, well, not going to sack him at the minute. Like, they've got Watford at the weekend, they'll probably win that, and Man United fans will lurch from being, oh, it's all doom and gloom, to, well, we might actually get the top four or the top six. So, it's, uh, I understand where he's coming from, really. 
What do you think about the prospect of Brendan Rodgers at Manchester United, Joel? As a red, do you think he's the type of manager that would do a job at United? Is he the kind of guy that you'd like to see come in and take charge if Solskjaer does depart? I've been really 50-50 about this because out of all of the managers that we've been linked with, he's probably the most credible one, just in terms of how much he's actually won when you compare him to, say, like Ten Hag or Pochettino or whoever else we've been linked with. I mean, he's probably the only one, really, who's got the best CV out of the lot of them. For me, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to understand whether it's the right choice in terms of how we progress. But when you look at how he's been at his other clubs, I mean, he's kind of elevated every single side he's been at. When he was at Swansea, they played amazing football. When he was at Liverpool, they did that surprise title challenge. And um, I just want to mention that they, they lost it on the final days. Um, and obviously then he went to you know Celtic, did the undefeated season. Um, and now obviously at Leicester, they've won an FA Cup under him. They're kind of always constantly going for top four. So everything is, every single club he's been at, he's always left a mark on them. Um, although he's never crossed the line when it comes to the Premier League but then saying that he's won an FA Cup with the resources he's got at Leicester is a really good achievement I just don't know whether the step up to United is the right one for us I feel like United are so desperate to replicate that Alex Ferguson era of having a British manager for the next 10 years and it's all nice and longevity and football doesn't work like that anymore we're kind of in an era now where you have to expect a manager to just be hanging around for two three four years max and then you just reshuffle the pack again and go again uh, but I just I'm just not sure but when you go through that press conference the thing that kind of strikes me is that everyone always really protects managers when you know the job's on the line they're probably as protected as goalkeepers are on the pitch but then when a player is on the verge of you know wanting to be sold or he's playing bad on the pitch every single person it, without hesitation is effectively saying they should be sacked it's not like a manager when he's sacked can't get another job or he's going to be you know trying to make up his rent money at the end of the week he's getting well compensated for that job and sometimes it's a bad job I mean, look at um, Santo from Tottenham. He's only there for four months and he's probably getting like a four or five million payout. So I just don't understand the kind of like taboo around managers being sacked. But for me, um, I would personally go for Pochettino. That's just a preference. But I mean, we're, we're, we're quite, we're, beggars can't be choosers right now. We're not, we're not in the position to kind of be going for the top, top manager. I think you're right. I think managers should expect these questions. I think Brendan Rodgers is the type of character that seems to almost caught this attention as well. And you think of the jobs he's been linked with already this season. He was linked with the Spurs job. He's been linked with Manchester City when eventually Pep Guardiola leaves. Now he's linked with Manchester United. Leicester City have been underperforming this season, Marley. I think we all expected them to do better 11 games in. Do you think any of their form has been affected by potentially Brendan Rodgers having his head turned slightly about the prospect of these, inverted commas, big jobs? Uh, no, I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I, but at the same time, I don't really know what's what's Leicester's issue. Maybe they're struggling with the two games a week thing with the uh, with the Europa League sort of kicking in and stuff. Um, and they've I mean they've had a couple of injuries here and there as well. The defense has never really been settled. Fafana's a big loss for them. Johnny Evans is massive as well. Um, and Soyuncu's played below uh, the the sort of standard he did last season. So. I think it's more that than anything. Um, like this, 
I'm not comfortable with this uh, Brendan Rodgers talk. If it if it does start to to seep into Leicester's um, like season and results, like I don't want to see Leicester like slip off the, you know, like lose two of the next three, for example, um, on the back of this Rodgers speculation, because I don't think anyone deserves it. I don't think Leicester deserve it. I don't think um, Brendan Rodgers deserve it because they've done everything. Properly, we've um, I don't know how many times we've praised Leicester over the the last couple of years about how they're well run and how they're doing everything right and living within their means and signing well and all that. So to have it sort of derailed by some stupid speculation about a job he, he probably won't even get in future is uh, is is not the way I want to see it to go. Really, let's move on and talk about other managerial issues because as we've said, Solskjaer is still in the job at Manchester United. There is no vacancy there yet we'll see what happens at Watford at the weekend but there are three new bosses in charge of their first games in the Premier League this weekend how at Newcastle Smith and Norwich and Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa who do you expect is going to get off to the best start of their tenure I guess the advantage I was thinking about this over the weekend why you get the new manager bounce half of the new manager bounce comes from teams not being able to assess what you're going to do properly because the Newcastle United's opposition this weekend can't sit down and look at what Eddie Howe has done in previous games with Newcastle. So there's an element of surprise that I think works for them. It's like a new team coming into the league. But who out of those three, Joel, out of Howe, Smith, Gerrard, do you expect to make an immediate impact? I think very, very short term, I would definitely say Howe with Newcastle, just because if you look at all three fixtures for the new managers this weekend, I'd say Newcastle is definitely the most favourable um, going into the game against Brent, uh, Brentford, where they're, I think they're three on the bounce, successive defeats at the moment. Um, at home, I think the Newcastle fans are just kind of breathing a, fre- a breath of fresh air after Bruce has been sacked and kind of everything's looking a little bit more rosy than they were, say, three weeks ago. Um, so I think that'll be the most favourable fixture because obviously Aston Villa are at home to Brighton. I think everything Brighton have had they've had one win in the last six games, but they've only lost once in those six games, so they're still a really tough opposition. Um, and Norwich, I just don't have any hope for them whatsoever. I'm sorry, so he's going to have a tough task against uh, Southampton at home. But I think yeah, Newcastle will be the one where they'll get their first win of the season for sure. Um, and I think it'll be onwards and upwards from there. You would think, but of course. Newcastle you can't underestimate how bad they've been as well it doesn't just change overnight but it's a good point that you make Jim actually I think opposition side uh, when new managers come in they often always bring in kind of the outcast players who were not playing for two three months and suddenly they're in the side again um, since everyone's on a clean slate so it must be difficult to prepare against the team who are literally choosing from a squad of 22 rather than a typical 13, 14 players that you would think are going to get selected. So, yeah, it'll be music to Marley's ears, but I'm going Newcastle this weekend. I'm not sure you're going to be too sympathetic when I ask this question, Marley, but I found it a little bit distasteful, some of the comments that have come out of Newcastle over the last couple of weeks. And we've all seen the pictures of training and how Eddie Howe's been heralded as a genius for actually turning up to training in the morning (laughs) rather than going off on holiday during an international break. But things like Callum Wilson appearing in the local press up in Newcastle and saying that training had a new intensity and the players were fitter than before. Is it unfair on Steve Bruce to suggest that 
<laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't that the play the players were unfit under Steve Bruce, weren't they? It wasn't like he wasn't there training them at some point. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It, it kind of was at the times. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I understand where you're coming from um, with this with this like you know thing about Wilson talking and, and saying that uh, training's been. Uh, had a new dynamic, and Fabian Cher said something similar. He said, "I've only been around for two um, for two sessions, but all the lads are saying it's been amazing since I've been uh, away with Switzerland." Um, but on on the flip side of what you said, you know, you you have to say something nice about the new guy, don't you? <laughs> like, because he's a manager, so you can't say, you know, it was great under Bruce, and it's it's equally great under Eddie Howe. You know, you're always going to say something that might get you picked on a Saturday. So, um, there's that angle to it, and there's also the angle that it it just is from, um, from what everybody said. You know, Eddie Howe's training sessions are incredibly meticulous and planned and uh, regimed and all the rest of it. And it'll be a huge sort of culture shock to the squad that have got used to two and a half years of, of Bruce's training methods, which were distinctly lacking. And you see, I'm always a fan of seeing what ex-players say. Um, and there's there's been pieces during the international break on, on everyone, um, from Bruce to, to Howe. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about what Eddie Howe's training's like and what his approach is like and his professionalism and all the rest of it. And then I, th- I always think back to that quote from... Um, from Richie Delat when he was at uh, Aston Villa that said Steve Bruce used to just come into training and, and it was like an under nine session where he'd just throw a ball in and say, right, let's play. Um, and that just, like, it just sticks in my head of, like, what a, a difference the the squad is, is going through now. Um, and hopefully we'll see the, the fruits of the labour on, on Saturday because... You know, you can't ask for an easier game, I don't think, on paper than a team that has been promoted recently and has lost the last four games at home uh, after an international break when we've got an entirely fit squad with the exception of of one player. I think Stephen Gerrard's going to have a real impact at Aston Villa. I think you look at the squads between Newcastle, Aston Villa and Norwich City and it's unquestionable that Aston Villa have got the best squad and the best first eleven there and they just need to be set up the right way and they just seem to need a little bit of motivation as well. And I think there is a certain power in just being Steven Gerrard, being England's Steven Gerrard, one of the best midfielders that ever played for England because there's going to be players in that dressing room. Everyone knows what it's like when you just want to impress the guy, don't you? You want to impress the guy who's one of the great footballers and show him that you're a good footballer as well. And I think that's going to have an instant impact to Aston Villa. But Steven Gerrard's been saying that it's unfair to call his new role at Aston Villa a stepping stone. It's not a move before he gets the Liverpool job. But do we believe that, Joel? Is there any question that Steven Gerrard hasn't got his eyes on that Liverpool job when Jurgen Klopp leaves? The contracts at Aston Villa end at the same time as Jurgen Klopp's contracts at Liverpool. That's a sign in itself, isn't it? No, I think I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't think he's thought Jurgen Klopp's going at that time, so let me just get out of my contract nice and sneakily. <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I think everyone, I think everyone, including Gerard, needs to realise that. Um, I think they do realise, especially Gerard, that you can't overlook this job. It's it's still a really difficult job to come into because the Scottish league is a different kettle of fish compared to the Premier League I mean he's, he's you when you when you're the manager of Rangers or the manager of Celtic you're always going to be fighting for the title no matter what 
Whereas when you come into the Premier League, you know, it is quite unforgiving for managers where you don't necessarily get a hell of a lot of time. There's not a lot of patience because there's so much money at stake every single season. But like you said, Jim, and I, told, I said that in the podcast last week, he's got such a good squad to go off on the back of 100 million that they received from Grealish. They've got owners that back him and will back him definitely next summer to make the squad his own. Um, and he's got some really top quality players. I mean, testament to Dean Smith because his recruitment was really good. It was just the fact that they were getting so many injuries and it just seemed like the defensive structure just went to complete mess. But you've got Danny Ings and um, Buendia and uh, Bailey, who's been injured for a long time. They've barely even had first-team football, really. So when you can get all of these players back, I think they'll be firing again, but it depends on what you call Gerard's job a success. I mean, if he continues to just like keep him a established top eight side, top seven side potentially, um, like does that equate to being ready for the Liverpool job? I don't really know because obviously going from Villa to Liverpool and it being expected to challenge for the title every single season do well in Europe every single season that again is another kettle of fish that you need to deal with um, so for me and like I said before Jurgen Klopp may not even leave Liverpool for the next two, three, four, five years even he said himself he just doesn't know it's only when Liverpool want to move him on and judging by how well they're doing I don't think they'll want him to leave anytime soon um, so no I don't think it's a, a case of him kind of using it as a stepping stone because it's a big stepping stone that he needs to cross and I don't think you can mm. overlook a job like that I guess every job in a certain respect is a stepping stone in terms of football management particularly unless you're at one of the big clubs unless you're at Real Madrid or Barcelona or maybe even Man City it's like every job is leading to that point at some point all those managers will be hoping to have a little bit of cash to spend this January. Some of them need a little bit of cash to spend this January and we'll talk about some of those potential transfers and Jesse Lingard's future next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, talking transfers and talking Jesse Lingard because the contract talks between Lingard and Manchester United over the last 24 hours have reportedly broken down. Jesse is out of contract this coming summer, meaning in the summer he can leave on a free transfer or potentially he could be off elsewhere in January. You're a Manchester United fan, Joel, as we've already mentioned. Do you think Jesse Lingard's got a right to feel let down here? Because it looked like he was on the cusp of moving over the summer, but Solskjaer swept in, blocked the move and promised him game time. And then now he's hardly had a look in on the Manchester United pitch. So he's going to feel a little bit upset that those promises haven't been fulfilled, isn't he? It's, it's the strangest scenario I think I've seen in such a long time where there's errors on both sides completely. I mean, when you look at Lingard's side... He just come off the back of an amazing, what was it, six months with West Ham, where he got back into the England setup. Obviously, just missed out on the yep. Euros, but he was in unreal form, where he was getting like Player of the Month awards. He scored some vital goals for you guys, where he nearly fired, helped to fire you into the top four. And then suddenly, the summer came, and this is the error on the United side. He has one year left on his contract. 
they have probably a 20 million ish offer ready from West Ham if they want it. I think even David Moyes confirmed that as well. But he just said that United just weren't listening to any offers. So obviously Lingard has been told by Solskjaer, you're part of our plans. You're going to have good game time. Like, don't worry, we're going to discuss a contract. And obviously he's believed that because, I mean, if you're getting told that by Manchester United, of course you're going to think, all right, I want to get back into the side again. But as we've seen this season at United, Solskjaer has his favourites and he seems very, very reluctant to change the side despite the side that he keeps picking, not uh, letting him down constantly. And now we find ourselves in a situation where we're going to end up losing him on a free. Lingard's realised he's not getting any game time whatsoever. His World Cup place is at, is at, um, is at, co- at a cost ma- massively if he doesn't get any game time soon. And I just think it's just it just shows just how poorly run United are at the moment, where they, they had an asset that they could have literally just got twenty million for, who's played I don't even think he's played a full match at United this, so far this season. I mean, how poorly run of a club can you be? And now West Ham are gonna be absolutely laughing in January because they could leave it until say January the thirty first and say to United, okay, we're, we're prepared to pay you four million for him and if you don't take it, we're just gonna get him on a pre contract. And the club can do nothing about it now, so we're not in power anymore. Um, but I think for Lingard, I think it was bemusing how he never chose to leave in the summer because now when you look at West Ham, he's probably looking at West Ham this season and thinking, I could have been part of that. Like, I helped get them into Europe again. I helped that uh, league position. And now he finds himself on the bench. He's going to need to find his form again. Um, and I think it's best for all parties if he leaves in the January and I feel for him because he made a really good impact he scored the winning goal at West Ham if you remember Jim um, yes I do and, thanks <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, I mean he's an impact player and I think he deserves more than that but Solskjaer's just so set in his ways trust the wrong players constantly and yeah he's clearly giving him false advice on how he thought the season was going to go for him and clearly it's not worked out the best for both parties but it's just so poorly run on United's behalf. It, it annoys me. It is interesting that Jesse Lingard's brother, who is also his agent, has been publicly flirting with West Ham over the last couple of months. He's been liking Instagram posts, commenting COYI on posts and things like that, which suggests a move back to West Ham at some point. But there's a few options for Jesse Lingard here. One, you wait till the summer, you sign for whoever is interested in you, in you and you potentially get a really healthy signing bonus off the back of that because the club isn't paying a fee but there are clubs that could come in in January and you get that extra playing time as well the clubs that could come in in January Marley West Ham obviously we've mentioned Newcastle United have been linked previously apparently there's a few European teams who are already making inquiries and I guess a fee of 10 million pounds this would probably be appropriate where do you think he should head off do you think he should go back to West Ham where he had that great season? Should he join Eddie Howe on the project at Newcastle? Or is he one of those players that he's so linked to Manchester United that potentially that clean break, going to Europe, to an Atletico Madrid perhaps, would be the best move for him? Uh, I, I, I don't know where Atletico Madrid's come from, but I can't see him flourishing under Simeone. <laughs> Out of my ass. <laughs> I just plucked, plucked it from nowhere. Uh, I, I don't see the downside of going back to West Ham. Um I think they've proved, well, they're proving right now that last season wasn't a fluke. Um, they're, they're doing really, really well. Um, they, you could probably still get into that team. I don't think Vlasic has made much of an impact who they seem to sign instead. Um, when, Well, when Lingard 
made it clear he was staying at Man United last summer. They went and signed Vlasic, didn't they? And he's he's barely played in the Premier League. So um, I would try and go back there if I was him. Um, obviously, it depends on who comes in, like uh, what options he's got on the table. But I can see him doing well at someone like Spurs, for example, um, being that uh, one of the two supporters to to Harry Kane alongside um, Hyungwin Son, if if that uh, materialises. <coughs> But with, you know, there'll they'll, they'll be options because everyone knows that Lingard, if you go back two years and Lingard came up for sale, a lot of teams would be like, well, we don't know how good he is anymore because he was potential, now he's now he's quite old. Um, and then now he's he's had that six months where he, he played out of his skin and got back into the England setup, um, and almost fired West Ham to the uh, Champions League. So... He's a lot more coveted now, and everybody knows that that player is still there. You've just got to unlock him and play him every week. Um, Solskjaer hasn't done that. He's made a complete mess of the situation, like Joel said. Um, so you're looking at a new start. I would I would be trying to go back to West Ham if I was him. You know you can do it there. There's never very many guarantees in football, but it is, you know, you know you flourish there. You know you get in the team. You know you... Can can get on with the players and all the rest of it. You know what the atmosphere is like and all sorts. And you like the manager, etc., etc. Exactly, it's it's all there. Like it's it's a try before you buy. You've already tried it, so why not uh, why not buy it? Let's talk about some other potential Newcastle United recruits because the Times have published a story today that is suggesting a load of players that are being linked with Newcastle United this January and they're not the names that have previously been linked. There's not the... I mean, if you go to Newcastle this weekend, go to the game, you'll no doubt see Newcastle shirts all over the place with Mbappe and Messi on the back and stuff like that from fans getting overexcited. These players are slightly less impressive and I'm going to struggle with most of their names. Netherlands defender Stefan de Vrij. Croatian midfielder Marcelo Bozovic from Inter Milan and Thomas Strakosha, who is the Lazio goalkeeper, Albanian international. Are they the types of players that you expected to be coming into Newcastle and do they improve the squad significantly enough? Um, they they probably improve the squad. I'm, I'm seeing, I've heard of uh, Strakosha, the, that rumour for probably over a year now. I don't really know where it's come from because... Goalkeeper is probably one of our strongest departments um, that doesn't need immediate work. Um, I've watched him in the game with uh, England and Albania at the at uh, like last weekend, and he didn't exactly cover himself in glory, especially for Kane's. Uh, I think it was his second goal. Um, didn't cover himself in glory at all, but you, know, you can't you can't uh, judge him on one game. So it it's one of them like rumors that is about right because like Lazio aren't a title challenge inside he probably will fancy a move and, and a new challenge and a bit more cash let's be honest um it just depends who wants who wants what with with our goalkeeper situation because we've got Darlow getting picked ahead of um Dubravka at the minute which is baffling um and then Dubravka who is a quality goalkeeper but 33 you know, are they looking at getting someone in a bit younger I don't know um, and as for the other two, Stefan, De- well, I think you almost said De Fridge, didn't you? Um, St- St- Stefan De Vrij from, uh, is it Inter, is that? Um, he's, he's doing, I mean, he's been sort of one of the very solid, high-level defenders for, for a while now, but I'm not entirely sure about his um, motivation to come to Newcastle other than a bit of cash. 
And it probably the same goes with Brozovic as well because that's uh, any player pro- though that you're going to sign this window, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. largely going to be financially motivated. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, it's just it's hard. It's just hard to understand because like it's hard to say. Well, that might happen because you know Newcastle haven't tried to sign players that are clearly better than what they've got for like six, seven years. Like probably going back to to signing like Kabai and Demba Bar and Papi Cisse and people like that because we've just signed crap for the last like <laughs> four or five years with the exception of Callum Wilson and, and Dubravka and that's about it. So, um, and, Ma- and Sir Maxman as well, obviously. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's hard to sort of sift through this because we still don't know that like what we're going to get and that first sort of guy through the door is going to give much more of a, um, a, a sort of, signal as to what what supermarket we're shopping in is it because uh, it's not Aldi anymore but is it Tesco or is it Waitrose you know what I mean speaking of supermarkets a football magazine that in France that always I think sounds like a supermarket that sells feet Foot Mercato is reporting that Wesley Fofana is potentially interesting Chelsea and Manchester United so the Leicester City defender plays for France under 21s he's 20 he's been injured for much of this season he's had a good time at Leicester City since he arrived but are you surprised to see him linked with big clubs like Chelsea and Manchester United at this stage in his career Joel? Uh, no not at all because if you cash in mind back to just before he got injured I mean he was he was one of the main reasons why they ended up winning the FA Cup and why their defence was just so solid and why they nearly got top four just only just to be kind of nipped out in the last couple of weeks but He's such a he's a top top quality centre back. He'll probably end up becoming part of the French main setup as soon as he gets back to his full fitness. Um, I'm always quite surprised when players who have really bad injuries continuously still get linked with moves because nobody knows how he's going to actually react when he gets back. Obviously, he's still what is he twenty twenty one, so I'm sure he'll end up getting back to full fitness. But you know, some injuries can really hinder players where they don't get to that same level that they got at just before they managed to actually get injured um, but I think it's definitely justifiable that he's getting linked to all of these big clubs because he was probably one of the best defenders in the league um, that season and it just shows how good Leicester's recruitment are in terms of they know how much they have to spend but they spend wisely they don't spend on these kind of mercenaries and players who are only coming for a payday they, they have such a good network of like look at Dhaka uh, I think who they got from Salzburg these are just players who weren't really on the radar of all the big clubs but they end up becoming really big players for Leicester and the only the only issue with Leicester and I think if we go back to Brendan Rodgers is that he's at a club where they're at the mercy of every other big club when it comes to their players where if Fafana has a breakout season or if Dakar ends up becoming a 20-goal striker, they're powerless to them leaving because, you know, they are a bit of a stepping stone club when when going to, you know, the likes of United, Chelsea, Liverpool, etc. So maybe, you know, that, that might be a tipping scale for Rodgers if his team starts to disband at the end of the season and he sees some of his best players leave. Um, but no, for now, I think, obviously, it's, it's a while away until Fafana will be thinking of leaving. I think he's just thinking of getting back onto the pitch and getting fully fit again and trying to get back to his form 
But no, it's definitely justifiable the clubs that are getting linked with him because he's a top top centre back. Um, I think everyone's just kind of forgotten about him a little bit just because he's been out for such a while. We're going to finish off the Football Social Daily for today with answering a few of your questions, finishing off the week in style by delving into the mailbag. AQA next on the Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Final bit of Friday before we head into the weekend's Premier League action. Don't forget there is a full preview of the Saturday and Sunday games with former professionals in the hot seat with the dugout. Niall and the boys will be here. In fact, I say former professionals. It's one former professional and Marley tomorrow. <laughs> what was your... What's the, so we've got... Um, it's uh, Francis Benali, from, yeah. former Southampton cult player. Niall's obviously hosting, and then we've got Marley as well for we had a late dropout, so Marley kind of stepped in. What's the highlight? What's the highest point of your footballing career, Marley? Oh, what, as in like playing? Yeah, just so we can compare. Francis Benali, Premier League footballer for Southampton, Marley Anderson. Well, I, I scored uh, two goals at Celtic Park in a charity game, so I scored more goals at Celtic Park than Francis Benali did in his Premier League career because he only got one. <laughs> So I stick that up your franny. <laughs> Did you mention that to him on the show? No, I didn't. He's, he's honestly the nicest man in the world. He is. He's lovely. And you can hear that show, the preview for the weekend's <laughs> action. It'll be out later tonight. The dugout on this feed, on the Football Social Daily feed. Let's get stuck into some questions, though. I want to cover this first one quickly because it could take us ages to go through it if we argue every single selection. And I'm going to stay out of it. Well, I'm not going to make my selection. It's coming from Dave via Twitter. He says, which Premier League players would you have in your five-a-side team, past and present? We're going to keep it to the present. So current Premier League players that would make up your perfect five-a-side team, Joel. Right, so my philosophy is just I'm dominating possession, so we're not having a keeper. We're just going to go one goal and switch. Um, <laughs> right, so my first player is... Sure, I mean, I, I said I was going to keep out of it, but Edison, you have Edison no, in goal, don't no, you? No, we're switching. Because Edison, I, not only a goalkeeper, but domi- he can play I'm out. dominating the game. We do, we're just switching. All we're right. just switching. So we're going to have Kante, just because every five-a-side team needs a guy who's just going to run the whole 90 minutes, however long you're playing. Um, then I'm going with Jorginho, just in front of him keep the possession he's not losing the ball frustrates the other side Bernardo Silva because in my own experience I absolutely hate playing against those small nimble players who just keep body fainting you and tearing you around Sancho because he's just uh, he's a total street footballer he knows how to do a couple nutmegs you always need those players who can get the uh, get the nutmegs going and then if we're playing against Marley's five-a-side team I'm going with Josh King up front <laughs> brilliant no particular reason I might have to put myself in just so I can clip him as he it's goes right, it's difficult to argue with those selections I like that you've fought through every single one and I admire that Marley what have you got so we've got I'm going to judge the winner here I think that's a good idea so it's Joel's five-a-side team versus yours I'm going to say who have you got for uh, facing up against Joel I was I was honestly going to uh, just try and pick the five hardest players in the Premier League, um, but I'd end up with like half of Burnley's team and Sean Dyche as a sort of floating <laughs> defensive midfielder. Um, no, I'd go for I'd stick Edison in goal because he fills a five-a-side goal with how tall he is, uh, and he can also probably score from his own goal with his with his shot power. So go for Edison in goal. Um, well, Jules picked Kante, so I can't really have Kante um, if we're playing against each other. So I'll go for someone else. I'll go for 
Declan Rice because you need a bit of you need an ugly bloke in midfield who's going to boot you if you go past him. Um, so I'm having Declan Rice. Uh, I'm having Salah. Uh, I'm having Saint Maximan, and I'm having. Uh, I'm not having Harry Kane because all he does is shoot from everywhere. Uh, I'm, oh, you hate those players who just go for goal every single time. Oh, you, Jeff, you don't want to play five side with me, mate. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's why you scored two at Celtic Park. Damn right. <laughs> um, who else? Who else could I have? How many have I named there? Four. I've got Rice, yep. Saint Maximan, Salah, Edison. Oh, you've got to have a goal scorer, aren't you? So I would go for. Uh, I go for Aubameyang actually because he's he's rapid and on a five side pitch, I feel like he's uh, he's he's fast enough to uh, to be to be a real problem. So I'm going for them five. Do you know what? Despite the fact that Marley has picked players that I think would just run out of space instantly, the second they'd set off on a sprint, that would be it. They'd be at the end of the pitch and they'd run out of space. <laughs> because you've got Declan Rice and a goalkeeper, I'm going to judge you the winner of that. I think your oh, team is going to win. Even though I think, I think Joel probably had the better team, to be honest with you. It was more thought out. You've got Declan Rice, so I can't argue with it. Very oh. good. Good question, Dave. Thank you very much for that. Next question comes from Lauren, who says, after your discussion on the England golden generation earlier in the week, we were talking about them versus the current England squad, who was better, whether it was Gerrard and Scholes and Lampard or the current lot, she wants to know who has the best, open brackets, or least worst, close brackets, goalkeeper out of the two. So we're judging David James versus Jordan Pickford, which you'd probably argue was the weak spot for both those England teams. Who was better or who was not as bad, Joel? Uh, Pickford by far, by far was better than David James. Like Pickford's the kind of player where for his club, he's so dodgy. But for England, he, end up, he ends up becoming like dinos off. He's just unreal. Um, so I would definitely say Pickford. I mean, David James, my only recollection of him was the 2010 World Cup, and I swear to God, he was awful. All I remember was Germany counter-attacking was in that, uh, was it the last 16 game or quarter-final? Probably last 16. Um, and he was just, he looked like one of those pro clubs, goalkeepers who were just out of position constantly. Um, so yeah, I'd definitely go with Pickford. I think he's been unreal for England, um, especially in those penalty shootouts, which we've always which has always been our Achilles heel. So yeah, Pickford by an absolute mile for me. Fair, Marley. I mean, you do have to separate the Jordan Pickford that plays for England and the Jordan Pickford that plays for Everton because he has never let England down, I don't think. Would you agree with Joel's assessment? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with it on on the basis that I th- always thought David Jims was a bit rubbish um, rather than Pickford being clearly amazing. Yeah, I same. thought David Jims was... <laughs> he always scared me when, when the ball came towards him because I just didn't know... He'd sort of save the ones you didn't expect him to save and balls up the ones that you do expect him to save. Um, and that always worried me as a goalkeeper. I'd rather have a solid keeper that, uh, that's going to be a bit more um, predictable in, in what he might save and, and where he's strong and where he's weak. So I'd, I'd probably say Pickford. And as well, with his feet, he is, he is a good player. He's got good distribution. Hell of a left foot on him. Um, with his with his power, he can absolutely hammer it halfway down the field, and well, three quarters of the way down the field, and get you right up into the opposition's half. So I'd probably uh, plump for Pickford, even though he's got tiny arms. <laughs> My favourite David James fact is the fact he has a twenty eight inch waist, which is absolutely incredible when you consider the size of his shoulders and how high. I'm glad you said waist. After that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> what right, final question from Enliak, who's 
message us via Instagram with this one. What does the top half of the table look like at the end of the season, is the question. With teams like West Ham and Brighton overperforming, unfair, Leicester City, Manchester United not being at full speed, and the new managers coming in at Tottenham and Aston Villa, who do you realistically will think will get into the Champions League and Europa League next season? So we need a, a, three, a four and a two, basically. The four that are going to get into the Champions League and the two that are going to get into the Europa, Marley. Um, I would plump for... Man City winning the league. And then Chelsea second. Liverpool third. They could change, actually. Uh, Spurs fourth. Man- oh, so Tottenham getting back into it. Yeah, with the Conte factor, yeah. Um, Man United fifth and Leicester sixth. Then West Ham seventh. No Europa League place for West Ham. Joel, how do you think that looks? No, you'll be in that, be in that little... Pot charity league at the end <laughs> of uh, of the season. <laughs> uh, I'd go with City winning it, Liverpool second, Chelsea third. Honestly, the fourth place is literally up for grabs for absolutely anyone this season. But I'd probably, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with West Ham. I'm just gonna think that they might maintain it. Just because I don't think United are going to do anything to do. I think United 5th, Arsenal 6th, Tottenham 7th. Both having Brighton dropping out. Only Joel picking Arsenal for a top 7 place. I don't think they're even in your top 7 there, Marley. Who, Arsenal? No. Uh, no, they weren't. Uh, to be honest, I forgot about them. But now I'm thinking about them. <laughs> to, now I'm thinking about them. I, I still... I, I, it's just a consistency with Arsenal. At, the, at their top level, they can beat anyone and they can easily be one of the six best teams in the country, but you don't know whether it's going to last. Like They're unbeaten since August, which is great, but would you back them to go... You wouldn't back against them going winless till January because they, they have been all over the place in, in recent years and you know they have got a chance, but that top top seven, top eight is looking very uh, very tight. The only thing I'm sure about is that Brighton won't be anywhere near it come the end of the season. Incredibly competitive season at the top. You've both picked the wrong champions, though, because clearly Chelsea will win the Premier League this season. I've said it since day one. I stand by it. If Chelsea don't win the Premier League, whoever beats them will win the Premier League. It's first or second. Nailed on, I think, for Chelsea this year. No, I think they're going to drop off. I can see it. I think City are going to be... They're going to they're gonna be like one of those steam trains. They just start picking up steam, whereas Chelsea are going to end up losing it. I'm calling it now. Quote me on it. There we go. We'll come back in what, 25 games time? And we can work out who's correct. That is it for Football Social Daily for today. Don't forget you can get the latest news on your team at sport-social.co.uk. You can either listen to the latest news or you can read the latest news there. Our journalists are scouring the internet and the training grounds to find the latest gossip on what's going on at your club you can also find the link there to the sport social podcast network which has just clicked over a hundred fan casts so there are a hundred podcasts to choose from well well over a hundred podcasts now you can go and find any podcast on any sport you like go and check it out there's loads of really great content on there if you like your podcasts go give them a listen that is it for football social daily today marley joel thank you very much thank you cheers guys enjoy the weekend and good luck for your team Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.